0: Hey there, and thanks for listening to our podcast. Our mission at Hope is to invite everyone to find Jesus and help them move toward the center of God's purpose for their life. Here's this weekend's message. Well, hey, everybody, all of you watching online and and all of our our campuses and all of you here, so glad that you're here. I want to say, first of all, we've had youth camp this whole week, middle school first, and now they're still in high school camp. And so, if you were across our campuses and you served uh, for middle school or maybe part of high school or whatever, man, I just want to say thank you and pray. They have one more night. They have a service tonight, and then uh, they'll come home tomorrow, so be in prayer for them. Thank you, though, for serving. And speaking of serving, we have, um, yeah, that's yeah, good, um, hundreds, of, hundreds of teenagers at the camp, so it, and, and, and we couldn't take any more. The pe- kids on the waiting list. Because the camp is only can hold so many. So next year they're enlarging the camp, so that's a good, good thing. But anyway, um, speaking of volunteers, let me just say, how many love Jesus? Let me, raise, let me see your hand. If you love Jesus, let me see your hand. I don't see some hands. Okay, how many think Jesus loves kids? Let me see your hand. Suffer the children, come unto me. Okay, so VBS is coming up. So all of you who raised your hand, we have video of you going to be able to volunteer to serve the week of VBS. Now, uh, I know that some of you can't, but if you can, uh, this year in particular, it's been a real challenge uh, to get enough volunteers or the amount of volunteers that we feel like we need. So uh, you can serve at all. I'm gonna put it on the screen here. This is June 26th through 29th, so Monday through Thursday, I believe. And you can QR code it or hopefellowship.net slash VBS. And just learn more about it. I wanna encourage you, if you can, to help us, that would be an awesome thing. It's always good. We have thousands of kids across all of our campuses. And yeah, you know, just like that. And and so, you know, for that little kid right there, just saying, praise the Lord, they need your help. God, these little kids need your help. So, um, it's gonna be a great week. And if you have kids in the neighborhood that live in, in your neighborhood or, or friends or family, uh, man, sign them up. Get them signed up for VBS. We'll have a great time. And, and not only a great time, but they learn that Jesus loves them and that he has a plan for their lives and he died on the cross and he can forgive and restore. And so anyway, that's what BBS is about. It's not just babysitting. There's, there's a spiritual side to this as well as the fun. Now, speaking of fun, um, we're in our second week of our series called Psalms of the Summer, Joy, Pain. And praise. Um, the, the book of Psalms, and we did, you know, uh, kind of an in depth, like, uh, you know, five sections of the book of Psalms, and they're kind of divided into books and an intro and a conclusion. Um, last week in Psalm 1, we talked about the blessed life. We talked about the, the blessed life that the, the right people in your life with the right way, God's way, equals blessing. Blessing is, we think of monetary ways, and that's true, there's no question that God blesses us in monetary ways and in other ways as well, but blessing is far more than money, far, far more than riches, far more than fame, far more than all those things, it's, it's peace and joy, and love, and, and when you have the right people around you pushing you in the right direction toward the Lord, and you have the things of God, the, the law of God, or the word of God, it's, it, it, it helps. Now, today, um, the 23rd Psalm, now this is, in, in, there's no question that the 23rd Psalm is the most famous Psalm, it may be even the most famous chapter in the Old Testament, maybe even the whole Bible the 23rd Psalm. It's been read on many occasions for various reasons. It has been memorized. I remember in VBS memorizing the 23rd Psalm to get my first real Bible. I I still have it. It's a red uh, King James Bible that I never read, but it is a treasure to me. I worked hard to memorize uh, the 23rd Psalm and this, it's been done at funerals and, and all kinds of occasions. So today, I'd like to explore the 23rd Psalm in a way in which I've never seen it. Um, I have taught on this, uh, this particular chapter more than a few times. Uh, I've mentioned it and read it at funerals and, and really kind of concentrated on the Lord is my shepherd And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, in other words, there's challenging times. The Lord is with you, and he is your shepherd, and and there's no doubt that that's a real big theme of this. But but I think, and I see, and this is just me talking, okay? So I, I didn't get this from a book, so I could be off base, and you can just, you know, say that was a dud, but... I feel like this is, when you really look at the 23rd Psalm, all six verses, there's a pattern I see, and I'm hoping it encourages you. There's a pattern of the aspects of our journey with God. When, so if, let me just say it this way. If an unbeliever were to ask me about, what is this whole Jesus thing? What is this following the Lord? following God? What is this all about? What, is it, what does it mean? This, and I've never gone to the 23rd Psalm for that, ever, but I feel like there's, there's a, there is a picture of our spiritual journey with the Lord in the 23rd Psalm. And so we're going to read it, and then I'm going to give you those five aspects Uh, of what I believe I see in our journey and our relationship with God. Let's go to verse one, Psalm one, reading out of the New International Version. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside quiet waters, he restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me, or mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever." Now David wrote this particular psalm. He wrote like 74 of them in the in the compilation of the books 150 chapters. He wrote 74 of them. This is one of them. And he wrote from a very unique perspective because David was a shepherd. He was raised in the fields of Bethlehem and he as the youngest of Jesse's Children had the task, and maybe he wasn't the only one, but he had the task of taking care of his family's sheep. He knew very well the cost of being a shepherd up late at night, early in the morning, fighting, I mean, he, he's, he's protected these sheep from wolves or whatever, He has led them. He has walked with them, lived with them, right? So when he writes that the Lord is our shepherd and a concept that Jesus picks up as he teaches, saying, I am the good shepherd, there is a, I just feel like that David in those fields got a glimpse of something that very few people in the Old Testament ever even dreamed of getting a glimpse of. We know as he wrote and how he wrote, his relationship with God was probably as unique as anyone's in the Old Testament. It's almost as if David you know, had, a, had, had this part of the New Testament experience on that day of Pentecost in which he walked with the Spirit of God and he lived in the Spirit of God. And no, no he wasn't perfect, we all know that, but he had a perspective and he had a, a, an integrity as he writes this, because he knew the shepherd's fields. So as we look at this, and I want you to just think again, if you were to explain your journey with someone in your family that's far from God or someone in your life that ex- asking you to explain, you know, what, what is this thing with, with Jesus and you following him? What, what, what does it really look like? Man, I see some things here that I think could, could help us. That when you cross that line of faith, here's what happens. Five aspects of our journey with the Lord. Number one is leadership. There there is a sense of leadership here that the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm 23, one, let's just read it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. This is the kind of leadership, again, Old Testament um, children of God had a very, very, in, in my opinion, distant relationship with God. It was a fear-based, and not in all occasions, but mostly it was like, oh, that's the Lord. I, I know. And David had a very unique relationship close, intimate relationship with the Lord. And so when he describes the Lord as a shepherd, that he leads us beside still waters, that he's not waiting and watching us for us to make a mistake so that he can correct, so that he can say, you're wrong, or whatever. He just had this unique way of describing the Lord's leadership. And when, you, when we cross the line of faith, the kind of leadership that the Lord brings or the Lord gives us is not that of he leads us as a taskmaster. He leads us in hard and challenging ways and watches every move we make. And it's not that he doesn't see every move we make, but this describes him as a benevolent, benevolent leader, uh, one who cares. Let me put that on the screen again. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall be one. He makes me lie down. He gives rest he leads me beside quiet waters. There's a, there's a stillness. There's, there's a restoration, a continual restoration of our souls. Now we get a picture of this when Jesus talks about himself in Matthew chapter 11. And here's what Jesus says. Then Jesus said, come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you let me teach you. In other words, hey, I'll be your leader. My mantle of leadership, my yoke, I will teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and I will find, and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. In John, Jesus describes himself, John 10, as the good shepherd. That, that, the, that the shepherd who gives or lays down his life for his sheep. So, in other words, the picture of leadership, of God's leadership, when we choose to follow him, is not one of a, I'm gonna get you in a little spiritual headlock and I'm gonna make you pay if you, Man, we don't get that in Psalm 23. And it's not, again, it's not that the Lord doesn't have an anger. It's not that the Lord doesn't have a wrath. But if you fast forward to the New Testament, that wrath was taken up out on Jesus, on the cross, for us, for the sins of the world. And so when you come to the Lord, there is this benevolent, there is this shepherd, and a good shepherd always protects, always leads his flock to, to the water, to the to the right places, to the place of rest, to the place where there is protection and and. Safety. And if you're here today, and and your life is, is in this craziness of of this world. And and maybe, maybe maybe it's not crazy. Maybe you just don't have what I'm describing here. Maybe your thought of the leadership that comes from the Lord is is more of an old testament view, uh, an old testament thought. Uh, 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 that you're fearful of him and it's not that we don't fear the lord but we fear the lord in a good way not in a bad way my parents who raised me and disciplined me believe me they disciplined me they didn't do so out of i mean and i understand that some were abusive and some did not represent the lord very well but mine did and they, they, didn't, they didn't discipline me or they didn't lead me out of anger. They led me out of love. And that's the way the Lord leads. And if you're here today and as Jesus says, come to me, those of you who are weary. He, he, he's not like saying, well, well, what did you do to be weary? Did you notice that? That Jesus didn't, didn't say, hey, you know, it depends on the reason why you're weary because did you screw it up? Did you make this mess? You know what I'm saying? When we walk into our living room and and Lucy and Milo are there, guess what's there? A mess. And I don't have to ask, who made this mess? I know who made the mess and I don't care. I'm I'm glad they're there, right? I don't care. The Lord, and I'm not saying he's liking our mess. All I'm saying is, He says, come to me who are weary, and it doesn't matter why you're weary. It doesn't matter why you're tired. It doesn't matter why you're burdened. Come to me, those of you who are weary. I'm the good shepherd. And and what I will give you is rest. I've never seen this in this way in, in Psalm 23. The second aspect of our journey with God is purpose. Now listen to verse 3. Here's what it says. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So his leadership is is not just for our chasing of our dreams. It's not just for us to just go do what we want to do. In, in my opinion, as I look at this, he leads us in paths of right. In other words, he leads us the right way out of love and out of safety and protection. He leads us that way because he has a plan for his name's sake. In other words, there is a purpose that God has for us in Jesus again. Matthew chapter four, verse 19, he says it this way. Come follow me, Jesus says, and I will make you fishers of men. Ephesians chapter two, Paul says it like this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew again in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things. There is a for his name's sake attached to our lives. Attached to our following the Lord, there is a his name's sake, there is a purpose. It is not, again, for his plans. See, the higher purpose is not just living our lives for ourselves, chasing money and chasing things and significance and dreams. Nothing wrong with chasing dreams, nothing wrong with having a dream, nothing wrong with money, but it's when you chase and we chase and that becomes the purpose of our lives. The purpose of my life is I wanna be happy, I wanna be taken care of, and I wanna do the things that I wanna do in this world. God has a better plan, and he has uh, his name's sake attached to your following. In other words, there's a purpose. I'll never forget when I was in high school, and I was, uh, you know, having a conversation with a teacher who was a believer, I went to public school, and um, I'll never forget, I was pretty close to this teacher, um, had her for three years, um, and and when she asked, hey, well, what are you doing for college? What's going on? It, was, it came that time, and, and I said, well, I'm going, to, I'm going to school to be a pastor. I'm going to, be, I'm going to Bible college. And, and, and I remember, she, and I know, because she was a believer, she was a pastor's daughter. Maybe she had a little perspective that I didn't have. But she, I, I, don't, I don't want to put these words in her mouth, but this is what I got. Oh, John, don't waste your time doing that. Don't waste your time going to that school. I want you to go over here and I would, I would put in a good, this is where she went to school, blah, 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 whatever. And I'll never, I've remembered that my whole life. Remember, don't waste your time. Now, it wasn't that being a pastor is on some higher level than what you do. Just, 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 so let me help, help give you my perspective on ministry. Everyone is called to ministry. Look, look, look to your right and to your left right now. Just look, just look to your right and your left. They're called to ministry. Look, look at him and say, you're called to ministry whether you like it or not. You're called to ministry. And because I am called to pastor or to teach doesn't mean I'm more important than you. So when I tell that story, it doesn't mean that I'm saying that, oh, I am more important as a pastor. And, and... No, 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 no. I'm just saying that God had a plan for my life and he, had a plan for your, he has a plan for your life and whatever it is that you do, you're a school teacher, you're a businessman, a businesswoman. that's your calling, that's your ministry. Nothing is a waste of time when you put God first. In other words, does that make sense? What my point was, I wanted to put God first and I believed I was called to do this and she was like, oh, don't waste your time with that. Man, you do this. And I was like, for his name's sake is attached to his leadership. There's a leadership involved with following the Lord, but it's a come to me who are weary. Man, I'm gonna lead you, I'm gonna give you rest, I'm gonna teach you, I'm gonna lead you beside still waters for my name's sake. There's purpose. There's purpose attached to the leadership. The third aspect of our journey is protection. Now, this is an interesting one, and I want to go into it. Verse four, this is probably one of the most famous verses of Psalm 23, besides the first one. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So when I think of protection, um, how many, Let me. and I know this is not a great thing to talk about in public, but how many know you're gonna die at some point, right? Unless the Lord comes. How many know there's gonna be a time in which you die? So when you zoom out of this passage, spiritually speaking, it's not that we will never face any challenges or any evil or anything like that. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though we walk through that, we walk through times of challenge and we walk through death and we walk through what seems to be like I'm dying emotionally or you go through some trauma that is like, oh my gosh, I don't even think I can live or walk through this. Does it make sense? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because he's with me. And his rod and his staff, they, they comfort me. So when, when I think of this, I want you to think of it in terms of your relationship with God and his spiritual protection over your life. So we all know when we come to the Lord, we come with our faith, and that's it. We we don't come to the Lord with a backpack full of our good works, and we kind of just oh, slink it, or some of us kind of get it out of our pocket. <laughs> Did you get that? Because so, some of you don't find very much. Okay, anyway, and we don't we don't put it on the table, and we go, okay, Lord. So so here's here's my faith over here, but here's here's my man I. Did you see what I did last week? Did you see? We don't don't come to the Lord with that. We come to the Lord with faith only. That's it. It is by his grace that we are saved. Now, many of us have been taught that we are saved by grace, but we better work to keep it. Let me give you some passages that I feel like when I think of, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for the Lord is with me and his rod and his staff of leadership, of guidance, they comfort me even when I walk through the challenges of whatever that is. Philippians chapter one, verse six, let's just look. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ returns. Who is working here? Let me. Let me who is working here? Is it me or is it God? And I am certain that God, who began the good work, with, now it doesn't mean that we don't apply ourselves. Don't hear me. Don't hear me say. John said, "I don't want to do anything." It's just I'll just do what I want. I'll sin, and I didn't. Matter. No, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that when it comes to our relationship with God, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no what? No evil. I'm not worried about my relationship with God. He's with me. That doesn't mean, again, that I'm gonna license myself to do whatever I wanna do, when I wanna do it, and I don't have to worry about any of the commands or any of the things that he's told me or whatever, no. You'll pay for that in this life. The consequences of sin are real. But spiritually speaking, the consequences of sin have been paid for by Jesus, not by your good works, or not by your and my ability to keep the good works going like a little hamster in a wheel. Like, hey, Jesus, is this good enough? Is this good enough? You like me? Next, next one is Jude, chapter, or verse, verse one and two. This letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father who loves you and keep, listen, Keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. So let me stop there. And writing to all of you men called by God the Father, leadership, there's purpose there, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more of his mercy and love. Verse 24, same book. Now all glory to God who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. Now let me ask you a question. Even on your best day, have you ever had a fault? Raise your hand if you've had a fault. If you've had a fault, even on your best day, you've been pretty good, but you've had a Who's doing the work here? Does this make sense? This is what I mean by protection. This makes sense to me. I don't know if it makes sense to you. You can email me if you want to, but I'm gonna be gone for a few weeks and that email will go to somewhere. I don't know where. It won't go to me. This makes so much sense to me. As I look at this, I'm going, wow, when I come to the Lord and his leadership, I, I I give him leadership over my life, not as a taskmaster, but as a shepherd. And when that happens, I have a purpose in my life that is different than the purpose that I have. And then there's a protection, that when I, when I make that decision to give him the leadership of my life, to be my shepherd, the good shepherd, when I give him that, there is a protection that even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, even though I go through whatever, he is with me and he comforts me let me put it on the screen like this. There is protection, ongoing grace, mercy, and peace under the leadership of Jesus. And, 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 and this, I know for some of you, now for some of you, you were like, John, oh, oh yeah, we have nothing to fear. Go back to that other one just real quick. The other one, the next, the first, yeah. There is there is protection, ongoing grace, mercy, peace. And some of you are like, yeah, I knew that. Well, you're not preaching anything new. That's not like, well, I know that. But some of you raised like me, you did not know this. There's protection, ongoing grace, mercy, and peace under the leadership of Jesus, plus my ability to be holy, plus my ability to follow the rules. Now, let me just ask you a Question. Has anybody in this room ever been able to follow all the rules? Common sense tells us that the protection comes from the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my leader, and he's a good one. He gives me purpose for his name's sake. That's why I live. That's why you live. And there's a protection that comes with that, that I'm not constantly in worry and fear. Of, of his wrath and his his he's he's mad at me or I'm gonna miss the rapture or I'm gonna go to hell for some reason. There there is a safety, a protection that comes with the Lord. And then number four, which I I, I really didn't want to use this word, but it, it it really does. It's the only word that I could really think of that that fit the the verse. And that is number four, victory. That's an old-fashioned word and. And it's okay, it's a good word. But for us these days, it's when we come to the Lord, we have his leadership, we have purpose, we have protection, and there is victory. And it's a little bit like what I just talked about in in the realm of protection. But let me read the verse again, verse five of chapter 23. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You prepare a table before me. In other words, I am eating, I am lounging, in the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. No, Man, the picture that, that I, I get of this is, is really found in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I love this picture, and it's, a, and it's one I've read a hundred times at a, at a funeral. But stay with me, because I get to the end, and that's where it is. Let's go, First Corinthians 15. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. Paul was talking about the resurrection here. Some in the church at Corinth were saying that there were, there was no resurrection. Probably from the Sadducee influence, there were two main leaders of the Jews in the first century, Pharisees and Sadducees, and the Sadducees, who were the reigning, they were the more popular or the more, uh, they were the ones in leadership. They did not believe in a resurrection at all. Okay? So, in the church at Corinth, that Jewish influence for somehow and it was in a synagogue that Paul would start these churches for the most part. They would go to the Jewish synagogue, and, and whatever influence of, of the Jewish faith or rabbi, and one of those would have been Sadducees who didn't believe in a resurrection. So his point here is trying to say, he's saying some of you, you're saying in, in the earlier verses of chapter 15, you're saying there's no resurrection. Well, if there's no resurrection, then how was Christ re, rose, re, risen? How did Christ rise from the dead if there is no resurrection? And if, he's risen, if he hasn't risen from the dead, then why are we doing this? Why are we preaching? Then he goes on this verse. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be all transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever so there is a resurrection. Those of our family, my dad, my Grandpa, my grandmother, my other grandma, I mean, the, my family, friends, they will rise, they will, they will have a resurrection, and we who are living will be transformed. That's the, called the transformation. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Then, so in other words, when Jesus was resurrected his body, remember when Mary didn't even recognize him until he spoke? And then when he spoke, she was like, Master, We're gonna have new bodies. Better, better ones. Okay, better. So that's good news. Then our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die. The scripture will be fulfilled. This is where I wanted to get to. Okay, stay with me. Death is swallowed up in victory. So, death, oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, listen, He gives us victory over sin and death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be strong and immovable. They're saying, John, what do you always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. My point. My point is victory. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What, what, what could that possibly mean? That that means that there is victory even before you fight. There is a a solid victory. There is no mistaking the victory. He has overcome death and sin. He has overcome the power of sin that nailed us. That that was, we fell short. We all fall short. The power of sin in our lives. Still, the power of sin in our lives Physically speaking, is man, we're we're trying to be transformed, right? We're working to 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 help grow and and, and sanctify ourselves and and become what we want to be in this life. That's the work that we have. But spiritually speaking, that's our condition. But our position, listen, our position is victory. So my point is when we talk, when we talk about in the presence of my enemies, what does that mean? That's victory, guys. It doesn't matter. But sin and death has been defeated. We will live forever. Even if we die, we will live. There's a resurrection and there is a power that comes with that. Living in this life, knowing, knowing that there is victory over sin and over death. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if I die. If I live or I die, doesn't matter. There's victory. And I know that sounds like, well, that sounds like, I don't know if that really excites me. Well, it should. It should, there is a victory. It's not dependent. The victory is not dependent on your hard work. The victory is already done. It would be like, and all of us, well, not all of us, because I know some of you are out of God's will, but if the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, were destined to win the Super Bowl, and it was all rigged in some way, but we just knew that in 2024, February, the Cowboys would win the Super Bowl, okay? Now, how many would be in for that? No matter how it happens, right? I don't care, let's rig it, right? right, okay. No, I'm kidding, I would not want that. But it would be awesome. Rangers win the World Series, and all, but we don't know any of those things. This is what we do know, we've won. And I don't mean we've won over somebody. I don't mean we've won over a political party. I don't mean we've won over a, a culture or a religion. No, we have won over death and over sin. And that's because of Jesus. So when you look at Psalm, you look at leadership, you look at purpose, you look at protection, you look at victory, and then we gotta go. Then number five, you look at promise. Then he ends the whole thing, verse six, this way. Surely goodness and love or mercy will follow me all the days of my life. There is a promise of the goodness and the mercy or the love of God will follow me all the days of my life. And then when my life is over, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's a promise that comes with this. In this life, God's goodness and love follows me, follows you. But we also have the promise that this life is not all there is. That this life, and maybe in some ways, you feel like, man, in this life, I've had it pretty good. In this life, it's been pretty Pretty good, John, I, I, I don't really know why I need all, all of that. But you know, there's some of us here that this life has not been so good. It feels like it's been one challenge and one challenge after another. And it feels like, man, I don't know. That, that, that there is a promise that this life is not all there is. So whether it's been really, really bad or really, really good, as good as you think this life has been, We dwell in his house forever is a better one. Revelation chapter 21, verse three. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and this is at the very end, right? They will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Now, when I've looked or read the 23rd Psalm, I've not seen any of these things. Maybe you have. Maybe you're like, John, this is crazy. I could have told you that. Oh, good. You can speak next week. I'm kidding. You're not speaking next week. Man, when you really look at the journey that David saw, I don't know how he saw it. I don't know how he was able to figure this out but the lord is my shepherd i don't want anything more i have all i have all i want the lord is my shepherd that's where it ends that's all i need there's purpose for his name's sake there's protection there's victory there's promise so when you look at the the 23rd Psalm. And, and as, if you're a parent of, of kids, whatever age, but especially younger ones, and, and, and you help them memorize this for some, some children's class or, or maybe even VBS, help them walk through the 23rd Psalm. Maybe there's a little bit more that you can see now when you read it. And you can explain it in a way that, hey, you, you know that, that this is really profound here, that God is, is, is like a shepherd. In other words, his leadership is so good. And there's nobody, there's nobody who follows Jesus fully that is ever disappointed. There's nobody, nobody who follows God who will be disappointed. I have all I want. Let me ask you, do you have all you want? Is he the source of all you want? Is there a purpose that you're living that is outside of his? And I'm gonna just tell you, I don't care who you are, listen to me, and you know I love you, I don't care who you are, I don't care how much money you have. His purpose is so much greater and better than your purpose. If you would just surrender to that purpose, and to that leadership, guys, it will blow your mind. The peace that you walk in, those still waters that you walk beside, that protection, that victory, and that promise that becomes ours is there. And if you're here today, and you've come with a heavy burden, or you've never surrendered fully to his leadership, I want to invite you to do that today, Lord. Your word, and I say I've said this so many times over the last twenty-three years. Your word is so good; it's so relevant. David wrote this three thousand years ago or more, but it's so relevant to our lives, to our understanding of our faith and our salvation, and our and our journey with you. God, I pray for those in this room that need. They need to, for the first time, fully surrender to the great shepherd. Maybe they've never done that before. I pray that before they leave this room or online, they will make that decision to fully surrender their lives to the leadership of the great shepherd. For those of us that are believers, but yet have... Come with a heavy burden. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And it just feels heavy. It feels weighty. God, I pray. Jesus, as you told us to come to you if we're weary. Come to you if we're burdened and you will give us rest. Take your yoke, your leadership, you teaching upon us. Lord, may we make those decisions today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Hope's weekend message. Visit hopefellowship.net and further connect with us by downloading the Hope app from the App Store or Google Play. Have a great day.